0: On this AV Nation special, we get insight from both higher education and K-12 about the future of learning, what they have learned through COVID-19, and what they see coming down the pipeline. All that and more next on this AV Nation special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an Aviation Special, The Future of Learning. This is an Aviation Special. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, We are previewing AV3, our one-day conference on June 17th with our friends over at SCN and AVIXA with me, uh, actually to preview one of my sessions, The Future of Education. First and foremost, Sandra Paul. Sandra is the Director of IT for the Township of Union. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you
1: for having me. (laughs)
0: absolutely absolutely also with us uh julie uh is, is is my neighbor by state uh not exactly but you'll get it in a second uh julie johnston uh acting associate vice president for learning technologies at indiana university welcome ma'am
2: thank you so much
0: so let's start uh, this um where both of you have had very interesting let's say 12 18 months uh in the education space uh making sure that your students have got the education that they need as well as the technology and making sure that your faculty and, and and staff have got what they need sandra we'll start with you as we are recording this it's towards the end of end of may obviously the end of 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 uh, the school year uh, the session that we're having is in june most likely both of you are getting ready for next year what sandra have you guys done in the last couple of months to prepare for next year and what are you learning as as you, you do kind of Have a hybrid model, at least for the next at least for the next next school year and possibly the next two school years.
1: Well, right now, um, our governor has decided that we are not going to offer remote learning at all in the fall. So um, um, that has changed a couple of times. But uh, as of right now, I know there is no virtual learning at all for this coming September. But in preparation, just in case if something similar happens again, Um, where he um, closes all our schools, we're preparing all our classrooms to do hybrid learning from um, K through 12th grade. One of the ways we have been doing it basically is we've been um, using a TV type touch panel that has um, interaction for not only the teachers, inside the classroom or the students inside the classroom, but we also have it where it can also be interactive for a student at home. So um, there's a web-based device that comes with the device, uh, web-based software that comes with the device and the students can join the class and both students at home or inside the classroom have the ability to interact with it. So it, I mean, as far as basically what we've been doing, um it has actually been pretty stressful because no one anticipated this would happen and um in my 20 over 20 years of being in k-12 this is the first time i've actually had to try and figure out how to do both school in a building and school at home so it's been interesting um in trying to figure out what to really do and we've Some things that have worked is compared to what I was talking about, making sure every student has a device, making sure every teacher has a device has been also um, been very productive. Uh, We've been doing a lot of pilots with different types of software that for educational purposes, um, you know, and then also the different policies we've come up with, you know, do you keep a camera on? Do you keep a camera off? Do you, you know, those are just some of the things that we've been going through. Um, we've come up with, I think, a pretty good program for the fall and um, I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen in the future. Uh, I think it's a great time to be in education, even stressful, but it's still a fantastic time to be in education.
0: I, I, I do love your attitude because I agree with you, it, it is, it is a, it's an a, a, a interesting time, uh, certainly a stressful time, but also one that, that, that lends itself to creativity and innovation. Um, Julie, from your perspective as as you and, and the folks in at, at Indiana get ready for the next semester and, and, and possibly you know even some summer classes, what are you guys learning um, both about what you know the hybrid, the, the technology available, um, but also, as Sandra put, pointed out, some of the policies that you guys have had to develop, what are you learning as you get ready uh, for quite possibly you know a hybrid a hybrid year or two?
2: Well, actually, we're trying to get back to normal. We're 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 hearing that we want as many students back on campus as possible, and so you know the the, the fact of the matter is, uh, the hybrid and or high flex may be not the norm, but the exception. So. Uh, What's going to happen for us is uh, just uh, working with the faculty that want to continue this. So we're asking faculty, what do you want to keep? What do you want to keep in the classroom that you've learned from this past year? And some of the things they want to keep are uh, the connection uh, virtually for, you know, student collaboration groups, for example. And so that's new this new feature of everyone was on Zoom or everyone was on Microsoft teams. And so how can we leverage that and encourage flexibility and collaboration? We also have learned that they want to keep uh, some type of an online presence for their courses. Uh, mm-hmm. We already had had Canvas available for all faculty, but there's a new escalated use of, of that tool thus, and keeping that, keeping a, a, an online presence to support their on site curriculum uh, will be something else they want to keep. They also want to keep uh, video, so we are expanding that. We've expanded and created video production studios at all of our campuses, so we'll have the ability for faculty to go in and, and produce high quality video work as well as the ability to just create more engaging video content. We're launching some video projects with a company called PlayPosit, which allows you to create interactive videos and instead of just segmented videos. So stop checkpoints for students to check for understanding. So the classroom designs itself, as we move forward and we are creating new classrooms, we're obviously thinking a lot more about with smarter cameras and smarter microphones. Uh, the the classroom design of two years ago does not look like the classroom design's moving forward. We're constantly thinking what can we do now as we move forward with classrooms that could be more high flex as faculty want to continue to try that mode.
0: All right real quickly if somebody's not familiar with with the the software canvas can you give somebody kind of a, a 30 second uh, pitch on what exactly that does
2: sure canvas is an online course management tool uh, thus you can generate all types of course activities you can post your syllabus it's a communication tool with all of your students it keeps um, all of that content for your course in one one spot you can deliver an entire course online through canvas or just have it as an enhancement to your face-to-face class
0: all right, Very good. Sandra, one of the things that that we have, you know, I've I I advocated uh, a child in in middle school as well as in in in, uh, in high school here. Um, one of the things that that we've all kind of learned over the last year or so is is having that continuing that that interactivity, right? Uh, and whether the the this classes are are going to be continued as as hybrid, or flex, you know, one of the things that 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 all of the instructors, at least that I've talked to, are are talking about is making sure that that the collaboration, the the two way communication teachers certainly, but what are some of the other areas and some of the kind of the hurdles that you guys have faced over the last year in making sure that everybody can, can be heard and that you, you can have that interactivity?
1: Well, that has been definitely a, a hurdle we had to go over. And, um, you know, ensuring that, um, you know, teachers have devices inside the classroom, but then the, we also, because we're one-to-one where every student actually was given a district device, uh, the students have that ability. The only issue sometimes is that you get the, um, the echoing because the kids are talking on their device plus the kids at home and you know, so it's been a juggling situation one of the things that we've um, tried to basically do in a lot of ways is try to assist our teacher by providing certain skill levels and training so that they know basically how we, they can juggle between those things but we've also piloted quite a few um, devices to try and see how we can um, make it more interactive for both students in school or outside of school. Like um, one of the things that we had um, talked about was ensuring that all students were engaged, you know, making sure there's an engagement for all kids. So just like Julie was talking about was, you know, the collaboration rooms and stuff like that, you know having where we use both Google and all, Google meet and we also use zoom we have we give our teachers a choice between the two so because of that there are breakout rooms and because teachers know how to create the breakout rooms how to use the break, breakout rooms and everything else but also how to monitor the breakout rooms you know we are talking about k-12 so because of that yeah we do you right and now and one of the I, things I'm, is-
0: I'm, I'm laughing, but somewhat embarrassed because my son is probably one of the reasons why you have to monitor those rooms. So
1: go ahead. <laughs> right, because one of the things is that everything actually is authenticated. So we make sure that, you know, their accounts are authenticated, making sure we don't have anybody from the outside trying to get into their stuff. And um, because of that reason, you know, we have a certain privacy requirements for K-12, both federal and state level and then there are the policies for the school district regarding student privacy that we have to follow but we want to make it as engaging as possible for students both at home and also inside classroom. so the audio video video part of it what we've done this year was because everyone actually had a device everybody is using that device but we've been piloting certain sound bars and video bars inside the school district to try and find something that would work um, you know, smoothly for our teachers and be able to do that. But we're still in the process. This is not something that you know, we've decided on or anything yet. We're still piloting stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Julie, one of the areas that, that I'm, I'm fascinated in and I, I'm, I'm reminded of 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, uh, when I was a tech manager, we tried to, migrate uh our staff our faculty rather from VHSs over to DVDs and and one of the air issues was first of all technology but secondly is is changing how they teach and, and 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 in what order are you finding any any sort of of you know issues the the the, the big word here is pedagogy right is it's how they're teaching right but but are, are there any issues or what sort of hurdles have you guys found in this hybrid model in this flex model um, Two, you know, the, the teaching is it, you know, making sure that there's enough um, high-quality videos so they can start doing the flip classroom, so they can send the the material home, home, but you know, back to the campus, back to the dorm rather. And then when they get, you know, to class, they're able to to do that. What are you guys finding when it comes to changing and, and arranging the the teaching styles?
2: So we had launched an active learning initiative called Mosaic, and if you want to check it out, it's mosaic.iu.edu. Uh, around faculty support and pedagogy in active learning classrooms and after a five-year period we had a significant amount of faculty who had gone through that that program together and what we found was that the faculty that had taught in an active learning way and in that type of pedagogy have been able to translate that well to the online environment. So taking those strategies that were on site and being able to quickly translate them to, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just uh, digitally do this type of activity uh, has been very successful for them. Now, um, from a whole, and you know, we have a lot of faculty, I, I'm sure there's been challenges that we don't know about, but that is just a kind of a success story on, on the side of the active learning uh, faculty members. As well as, you know, the video we had already distributed the lecture capture in every classroom. And so faculty were very comfortable with the lecture capture capabilities before the pandemic. So every classroom had that capability. We were a little ahead of the, proactively ahead of the curve on capturing content to the cloud with a company called Kaltura, which then auto captions it. So uh, being ahead of that type of technology has assisted us with the adoption during a crisis.
1: One of the things that we've had um, is that um, we've done a surveys from when we had the actual before September of last year, we actually did surveys with the, the parents and with the students. And we've, we found out that our parents preferred the synchronous learning. So it's live learning taking place immediately at the same time. Um, and the reason being is that we found that kids actually were more engaging once it was a live lesson compared to doing something asynchronously so because of that since september we have actually done more synchronous learning most of our virtual learning was done synchronously rather than asynchronously you know um it required a lot of training just to let you know it required summer was summer last year was like bombarding with a lot of training. Okay. And um, we have an assistant director of instructional technology that does a lot of that type of training and coaching. And um, there are videos that he's created that um, if a teacher has an issue, they can go back and look at Um, he, you know, he's available right now. He does, he's been doing trainings through PLCs, professional learning communities that we have in every um, school and actually at every grade level. So it requires a lot of training for you to be able to do the synchronous learning because you know, you're juggling both the technology and also your content at the same time. So because of that, that's the reason why we did it the way we did. Um, but since we've come back in, we came back in um, after spring break and we've been doing hybrid. We have two cohorts, uh, one set of cohorts, uh, kids come on a Monday Tuesday. And then we have another set of kids that come Thursday, Friday, actually, from what I understand, um, either next week or the week after we're going to have both cohorts combined, but they're still going to come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is going to be our deep cleaning day and then Thursday, Friday. So since we're going to be doing the combination, we still will have a set of students that will be virtual only, but our governor has decided that, um, coming September, all kids should be back inside the school. So because of that, um, in the state of New Jersey, uh, school districts may not be offering a virtual option, but that can change.
0: And let's, let's kind of pull on that thread for a second, because I, I want to get this from both of you, because uh, the, the name of the, of, the, of the panel is the future of, of instruction, the future of, of teaching. Talk for a second, and Sandra, we'll start with you, but Julie, I want, I want to get your two cents on this too. Both of you and your school districts um, ostensibly have spent an awful lot of time, energy, and money over the last 12, 13, 14 months making these hybrid systems possible, making these virtual systems possible. What does it look like to you if the state of New Jersey says, you know what, we're not doing remote anymore? That's great. Sandra has all this equipment here. What does she do with it? Right? What What? What exactly are you guys how are you evolving your classrooms to incorporate? So this technology is just not lost costs, right? So you can start incorporating and, and really kind of reuse or re-leverage some of this technology that you've spent the last year installing.
1: Well, one of the things what we're hoping to, we're hoping to do is basically still leverage it. Leverage it in a way like, just like how Julie was talking, maybe capturing aim by flipping, doing the flipped classroom, such a, um, you know, type of uh, modality. For instruction where basically you know the teacher would basically be teaching via video and the students would watch it like overnight as homework or whatever it is and then by the time they come back into it then basically they would be actually having discussions just like how uh, Julie was talking about the one thing that it actually um, that type of um, teaching helps with basically is the differentiation within the classroom because now you can actually focus more on kids who might actually have an issue than students who may not have an issue in understanding certain content. So, because of that, that's one of the things we're hoping to do. The other part of it that we're hoping to do is still be able to look at it as the possibility of that. There's, um, we have to prepare for anything like this happening again, that we have a virtual system we cannot just say all right because the governor said september we're not gonna you know the state of new jersey is not going to have a remote option or a virtual option doesn't mean that it goes into a closet somewhere and gathers dust no it means that now we can be a lot more creative and innovative inside the actual classroom too because now you have the ability to go way beyond than the four walls you know right now i mean i we could actually have some of our students be taking courses with julie's professors or you know her classes and be able to say okay let's do a dual enrollment you know rather than take some of my math classes here inside my high school i'm going to be taking it with university of indiana you know that type of thing there's a lot of to me i think this whole thing i'm getting a little bit too excited but this whole thing i think opens opens the realm of education at k-12 to actually go to k20 rather than just k12 i should right. say pre-k12 i keep forgetting pre-k please forgive me
0: that's right i, I haven't thought about pre-k in probably 10 years because you know it's what happens when you when your kids are there but julie she, sandra actually makes a really good point and it's something that oh good lord almost 20 years ago let's put it that way when when the iphone first came out and the and itunes and and on that entire platform I explicitly remember you know um, watching Harvard University you know uh, lectures and and lectures from Princeton lectures from from Stanford and going this this is fantastic right now I wasn't getting a degree but it was still you know fascinating to me fast forward almost 20 years what Sandra just mentioned the fact that that the dual enrollment which a lot of of communities have and if you don't you can send me an email I'll send you at least the one from Illinois that I'm familiar with where you guys can start partnering with whether it's sandra's folks for you know dual enrollment or dual credit in high school or providing education you know outside of the indiana university you know geography
2: yeah so a couple of items i I think i could add on to for that during the pandemic the two badging companies that are one of some of the top badging companies for credentialing Badger and Crudley, they have expanded by 96 percent, and that is because of the uh, opportunities, the 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 way that we need to think differently about higher education. We are we are we are using a, a, expand classes. It's expand where we are going we're going to create these opportunities for others to take our coursework for a nominal fee and get some kind of digital badging credentials. So that's one new, tr- it's, it's not a new trend, but because of the pandemic, it's exponentially increased and I think a lot of universities will start thinking differently about how they deliver a lot of their micro-credentialing and many micro-graduate um, course programs. So that's one way. Another, just to also mention, Sandra's excited about the possibilities of opening up the world to her students. We are too. And one of the ways we're doing that is in the past, I don't believe that a lot of our faculty would have thought about bringing a lot of guest experts into the classroom. It, It happened, but now I think, I believe it could happen at scale. We're creating a directory of all of our, we work with all of the major corporations, Adobe, Microsoft, Apple, we have all of these really high-end resources at our fingertips being part of the university technology services, and we're going to create a directory that the faculty can tap into to either create real-world projects where those experts come into the classrooms, or even if it's just uh, on a topic base, and that could easily translate into the K-12 arena also now that they have all of that technology available to them
1: too also is that it expands the resources because like one of the things that happened with us is that um you know like i said we normally have like say for instance class sets of books for kids to read at a certain lexile level or you know uh whatever level it is and it's inside the classroom once this pandemic hit the kids couldn't get to the books so what happens the media specialist librarians in my district we started expanding our e-textbooks, our e-book systems. And because of that, now we actually have class sets of e-books that kids can get onto online using their devices and be able to be a part of um, uh, a real virtual learning experience that was not available to them before. So now the the resources that are now going to be available for them is going to be so much vaster besides, well, I should say more vast than it's ever been before, because now not only can we reach out to Julie to get her instructors to be subject matter experts to talk to our kids, but they could also, you know, say to them, okay, well, if you want to go into the technology field, this is where we're doing it. So now we're going to school counseling and now, you know, there's a whole realm that this has expanded for K-12. You know, I don't know higher ed that well, but I know there's a realm K-12 is looking to expand into that I know is going to give our students a future that I think is going to be great because it's going to be actually giving them a skill that they're going to need in order to function as citizens in this information age that we're in at this present time.
2: Yeah, I would I'd love to talk about the e-text program. We we do have an e-text program that has been in existence for 10 years. And over the 10 year period, we saved our students 69 million dollars. And it's because, it's because higher, you know, these these courses, uh, you know, the textbooks are so expensive. And then the cost is so astronomically cheaper for a digital book. However, in addition to that, in our e-text library, we have relationships with vendors for more interactive digital content and so like Sandra said all of a sudden now they're they're migrating to these really more engaging platforms for for our students in in lieu of the traditional textbook and so we'll just see that grow we we are now at 60 percent of our students have at least one digital book or digital curriculum of some sort and I can't imagine why that wouldn't also translate to k-12 Especially with your one-to-one uh, initiatives that you have.
0: That is absolutely, and it'd be fascinating to watch this as it as it evolves. Uh, thank you both so much. Uh, I look forward to, to spending some more time with you on June seventeenth. Sandra Paul, if somebody wants to connect with you, how do they do that?
1: Uh, they can. I am on Twitter at s paul six four one four. They so that's normally the easiest way to get a hold of me. Just connect with me there, and um, I follow me, and I'll follow you.
0: All right, very good. And Julie Johnston, how do people connect with you?
2: They can also connect with me on Twitter at Johnston J1. All
0: right, very good. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, Aviation That's Aviation TV. Uh, but more importantly, go by uh, the AV3 website, AV3 event, uh, and register. I uh, will see you June seventeenth be able to uh to hang out with these two fine ladies uh for about an hour um talking about the future of learning so all that and more at avianation.tv